I'm Pastor Lisa. I want to welcome you to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning in sunny and already hot South Florida. But we are blessed to be here and blessed to be in the house of the Lord. And if you will please join us in worshiping by singing, we would appreciate it. say that this is the day that the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it because it could be different. I could have gone to sleep last night and have to wake up this morning, but because of God's grace and God's mercy, he brought us back together. Is that amen? Father God, we just thank you for a wonderful day. Thank you, God, for bringing us together one more time. Lord, we pray today, Lord, as we sing praises to you, God, that you will come down in a mighty way, God. Come in our hearts and touch our soul, God. Help us to know that you are the great I am and that you care for each and every one of your people. We ask you, God, that your anointing will fill this place as we sing praises. Your anointing will fill this place as your word go forth, Lord. And your anointing will go with us as we leave, we pray. In your mighty name of Jesus and all God's people say, Amen. Is he worthy to be praised? Is he worthy to be praised?
same God that shows us His endless love. Amen. Script, the song says, morning by morning, new mercies I see. And that tells me about His everlasting love. Oh. 
Amen, amen. You may be seated. We come to a time in our service where we share our pegs. That's um, our little catchphrase for praying, engaging, giving, and serving. It's a good reminder for each of us that that's what we're called to do as part of the Christian community. And I really just wanted to share with you uh, my gratitude, along with a lot of other people. We had our golf um, auction, and uh, it is tradition on the fifth Sunday of every month that we invite you to give a little extra to the children's home that we have. And our golf committee, with your help and everybody else's help, managed to raise $46,800 for our golf tournament. Right? Um, so that is a little lower than we usually do because we had a change of venue, you know, COVID. Um, we had a change of venue, we had a change of day. Um, but the committee really enjoyed getting together and getting this accomplished, and they should be so proud of this. It's just amazing to raise that much. Um, so if you'll put the children's home in your prayers, if you can give a little more, please feel free to just mark your offering for the children's home. And uh, we invite you to, to continue to keep those children who don't have a family system without the children's home um, in, your, in your prayers. Good morning. I am Pastor Peyton, and we come to this time in our service where we get to bow at the foot of the cross together. So let's bow our heads and take a breath. Father God, in this moment, we, pay, we pray for presence. We pray to feel you here. We pray to feel you in our hearts. We pray that you would fill us. O oh Lord, our God, as we sit in quietness, our thoughts are far from quiet. We are wrestling with doubt and fears. We are looking for answers, and we are hoping against hope. We are seeking strength, and we are hungry for warm sunshine and healed bodies and rest from tears. Your word says that the hungry shall be filled, and we ask today that you would fill us with your presence, with your grace, with your comfort and strength. You would fill us with the breath of life and fill us with thankful hearts and fill us with your calmness and courage and most of all, the knowledge of your presence here. Father, hear our hearts as we lift up those prayers that have troubled us through the night, that have troubled us through the week, who have the praises that we feel each and every one, Lord, hear our hearts. Father, our community has been troubled. We lift up the families that mourn today as we remember each child and each teacher in Uvalde, remember each family in Buffalo, and we remember all of those that have served and lost their lives as we celebrate this weekend and remember those who have given themselves for us, those who have served for our freedom. We pray, Lord, that all, is, all that is lost is never without notice. 
Father, each child, each person, each life that is given, we know that you hold those families in your arms. Gracious and loving God, we lay these burdens, we lay our sorrows and our tears and our hurt and our pain at your feet. Fill us with your presence and comfort. Lord, let us lead in your ways, and we pray that your children would be safe, that our communities would be a place of peace. And we pray for your love and light to be present each and every place that we go. We pray, Lord, for your kingdom and your glory to fill us today. Hear us as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
may be seated. Our scripture this morning comes from John 17, 20 through 26, and I'm reading from the Common English Bible Version. I'm not praying only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their word. I pray that they will be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, I pray that they also will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they can be one just as we are one. I'm in them and you are in me so that they will be made perfectly one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me where I am. Then they can see my glory, which you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, even the world didn't know you, but I've known you. And these believers know that you sent me. I've made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that your love for me will be in them and I myself will be in them. Amen. Father God, we, we ask for your patience as we hear your word and we try to grow into what it would mean for our lives. Help us to hear this, this scripture with a fresh ear and an open heart. Amen. So when I chose the title Unity in Christ, I thought, oh man, this is a tall order, right? This is something to really wrestle with. This is um, not a matter of just agreeing on everything. That's not what this means. And it's not um, written in a sense that we all need to be identical to be one in Christ. We're still a really diverse body, right? So united how? We're going to wrestle with that a little bit this morning. The passage is set in a section of John's account of Jesus' farewell address. He's speaking to his disciples. They are um, sharing their last meal at the Passover season. And he begins to instruct and inform them. He starts in chapter 13. If you haven't had a chance to read this, read from 13 to the end of today's passage just to get the feel for this um, instruction. So he, he starts to tell them about what's going to happen, what's coming. And he explains to them what it means to have a servant posture. We all might remember that story about washing their feet. Most of us will recall that. He tells them about a betrayal, a friend who will give Jesus up for a handful of coins. He tells them about Peter's coming denial, that he'll deny him three times before the rooster crows. He explains who the Father is, and his own preparation for them in the Father's house. He tells them about one who's coming, the advocate, the comforter, the companion, the Holy Spirit. He offers them his peace, a peace like no other. He asks them to love each other as he has loved them, sacrificially. That's all order. He even warns them about the hatred and death to come. And he lets them know that he's conquered even this. 
And though he made it clear when he prayed at Lazarus's tomb that he doesn't need to say the prayer out loud because he's one with God, but he does it for the benefit of those who need to hear it around him. And he does that now. He prays this prayer. It's called um, the High Priestly Prayer. And the prayer has these three main sections. So it begins with Jesus praying for himself. That's uh, one through five at the beginning of this. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son so that the son can glorify you. And he goes on. Then he prays for his disciples, calling them the people you gave me. I love that image, the people you entrusted to my care. Father, watch over them in your name and the name you gave me, that they will be one just as we are one. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So he offers this piece of the prayer for his disciples. And then he takes it one step further. At the close of his prayer, today's passage, he turns to those who would hear the disciples and so believe. Those he's not even met yet. Those who believe in me because of their word. In other words, all the future followers. So they've been asked to listen and to believe. And then he asks the Father that they might be made holy in truth. We are a people who are continuing to strive to be a holy people. It's an ongoing process, or at least it is with me. You might already be there. I am not, but I'm working on it. In addition, he prays that they'll be included in the unity of the Father and the Son. When they are, the world will see and will believe that Jesus was truly sent by God. So they're to be the witnesses. They're to take action. So they listen, they believe, they take action. And through this chain of witnesses, the world will see that in sending Jesus, God was showing his love for them. And that the love God has for them is equal to his love for Jesus. Okay, can you imagine that? In spite of ourselves, in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of all of the things, all the baggage we come with, God's love for us is equal to that of his love for Jesus. To them, Jesus has revealed the name of his Father, and he'll continue to keep revealing it. He makes known who God is. He passes on God's love to all his followers by giving them himself. The loving relationship Jesus shares with his Father widens out. It widens out to include those who believe in him and could eventually include the whole world, all of creation. In, in John's gospel, the work of Jesus to, is to gather the people, to save them, and to unite them as one. He uses images like he is the shepherd, he's rounding up the sheep. And the opposite of this oneness is, just so you have a thought of this, the opposite of the oneness is distance from God. It's being scattered, not gathered. The opposite is not just disagreements over differences. And often it is those minor differences that keep us from being truly one, truly united. We're quick to defend our positions on, you name it, right? Points of doctrine, practice, politics, what color the sky is today, 
you name it. We have a lot of differences. But the relationship between Jesus and the Father reveals that it's not our position that matters, it's our posture. So what I mean by this is for Jesus, it's the posture of the Father toward him and from him toward the Father that provides the model for us. It's the posture of love. We're never to be about the business of glorifying ourselves and our churches and our doctrines and our politics and our positions. And, but we're called to be a community that always reflects God's glory and love revealed in Jesus. And when we make up the body of Christ, we try to focus on that glory. The path to unity and true oneness becomes clearer for us. And how is that glory best revealed? It's made known through our love for God and, and for one another. I've made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that, the, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That's what Jesus prays. This is similar to what he says in 1512. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Notice the chain of love. The Father gives his love to Jesus. Jesus gives it to his disciples. The disciples pass it to the next generation until it comes to us. And then we give it to one another. These people God has entrusted to our care. Love isn't something that we provide because it comes from within us. Um, it's a gift from God. It's a gift given to us to be passed on to someone else. You're blessed to be a blessing. You've heard that before. We reveal the love, the glory of God when we love one another in the way that Jesus loved us. Love in spite of our sin. Love regardless of our positions. Love without attention paid to minor differences. Jesus invites us to form a new attitude. An attitude centered on reflecting the glory of God through our love for God and one another. We are continuing to be the incarnation of Christ in the world. Philippians 2, 5, 11 says, Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself. He took the form of a slave. And by becoming like human beings, when he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names. So that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, in earth, and under the earth might bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If Jesus can be that humble, shouldn't we make an attempt? Because of what was done for us, we must be and do for others in gratitude. Um, Martin Luther called us little Christs. We learned that in my disciple class this week. 
his little phrase for all of us followers was little Christs. Okay, I might not be able to, to sacrifice on the cross, but I can do the little things, right, that reflect Christ's love. We're to be available and vulnerable, serving and caring for one another in humility and appreciation. We're to empty ourselves of those attitudes, pride, ego, all those things that get in our way, emptying ourselves of anything that stands in the way of our love for God and for each other. Unity comes down from the Father and the Son to us, to the believers. And our unity, here's where the catch is, has to be visible enough to change the world. We have to challenge the world to believe that Jesus is who he said he was by the way we act. This unity is unique because it's grounded in one God, one Lord. It's grounded in love. It's grounded in a love gifted to us through nothing we've done, nothing we deserve. We don't have to admire the love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father from a distance. Because Jesus gave us access. God has the same love for us, for the whole world, for all of creation, as he did for Jesus. We're given the opportunity to make a difference. We're to provide living proof that God is gracious and loving. And that Jesus is who he says he is. Savior, Redeemer, love. So we do that in the way... We treat each other. We've listened, we believe, and now we take action. Do we, do we welcome everybody into our worship? Do we focus on our common goals instead of our differences? Do we lift a hand when help is needed? Do we care for those outside of our walls as well as inside of our church? I've met people, and I'm sure you have too, who loudly stand and share their opinions, usually yelling is involved. They have no regard for who they're speaking to, they're speaking at, right? And they just want to shout it out for you and get you to change your mind and follow their lead. I don't know about you, but I'm never going to change my mind by somebody who's yelling at me. I had a stepfather who was a yeller, and if you start yelling at me, I literally cannot hear you. It's not that I don't want to, I cannot you are never going to change anybody's mind by yelling at them. That's not what unity looks like. Unity, the oneness that Christ calls us to and, and more prays for us to receive, is a lesson in humility, not a rallying cry in anger or frustration. It's the woman who quietly delivers a meal to a friend after surgery. It's the person who week after week provides food for school kids and families without anyone even knowing. It's the mechanic who fixes the car on the side of the road for a stranger stranded and says, don't worry about it. It's the people who defy common wisdom and give beyond what they even seem to have. I know my daughter, um, Amanda. Amanda doesn't usually get good credit, so I'm going to make sure to put Amanda out there. Um, 
Amanda has always been one of those people that she would literally give you her last dollar. And if you would say to her, well, how are you going to eat? Well, they need it more. She is that kind of heart. Those, that's the humility. That's the love in action. It's the children who set up a lemonade stand to, to buy food for a pet shelter. Right? It's all these small acts that add together. You have your own stories. You've all seen people, the ones who love and love and love. That's the unity we're called to, a oneness in love. We don't all have to be the same. We don't all have to have the same passions. We don't all have to have the same ideas. We just have to be united together in love to show the world that Jesus is real and he's who he says he is. Um, I think you'll agree that love personified when you think of that Mother Teresa pops in your head, right? So she's credited with saying, if you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you'll win some false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people will try to cheat you. Be honest anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous of you. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten by tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. That's the kind of love we're called to. That humble love that flies in the face of all of these doubts and all of the cynicism and all of the problems in our world. We're called to that kind of love in action. So I want you to think about it as we close out. What's one thing, just one thing? I'm not saying you have to change the world today. Have you seen that commercial where she's sitting in the airport, and I think it's for Kind Bars, and it's, you know, that is, and you can go farm and save the world and feed them all. And she's like, but I don't know anything about farming. But then she moves over to let a lady sit beside her, right? So you can do one small thing, one small act. So what's the one that you can do today, tomorrow, this week, so that you can show how appreciative you are, how grateful you are, for the love of God in your life, for the love that Jesus Christ gives you access to, and show that action to one another. Amen? I'm going to close with prayer. Jesus once prayed like this. Upright one, I have made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and so that I may be in them. God of all wisdom, open our hearts and minds to your name, to your mercy, so that we can finally acknowledge that all along you have loved us. May we be warmed and empowered by your love. But first, teach us to know you through listening to your words, spoken and modeled by Jesus. He is always with us to teach and to guide. May we know your name. Amen.
Stand with us as we sing.
into the world with these thoughts. God, the world does not know you, but all of us in this place have heard your word proclaimed. We not, may not completely agree with each other, but we are unified in our belief in you. May we leave this safe haven and go out to tell the others of our unity through Christ, your beloved son. Listen, believe, take action. In this we believe. Amen.